The Nowhere Fast podcast is brought to you in part by Sepp's Pizza. In addition to their regular menu, they are currently running a lunch special. Any two individual slices for $12, Tuesday through Friday, 11.30 until 2 p.m. Pick up only. Please visit sepspizza.com to place an order, or for any other information you might need. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode, and enjoy the pie. Obviously, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to answer all these questions. Or we, uh, anyone listening, we previously went over a ton of stuff. I think I made the mistake of not hitting record, so now I'm gonna have to unfortunately ask Dahlia to re-answer some of these questions, but they're kind of what I want listeners to hear. So. This is not ideal, but this is the way it's going to go, I guess. Uh, if if I can ask you something you haven't already answered and then circle back a bit. You were telling me before I actually hit record that you are from a restaurant background. I was really curious what sort of inspired you to start this company, like working with cocktails and like non-alcoholic drinks i'm wondering if you were into like the science of it all or if you were into the foods or if you realized a void like in the non-alcoholic space or maybe all of it can you uh like speak a bit about like what what brought you to this in the first place yeah i um yeah so i owned the ku vegetarian restaurant in calgary for 15 years i started it in 2004 with a friend of mine and at that time we just decided to um you know in order to kind of keep keep peace the whole way through that one of us would take the kitchen side and one of us would take the bar side um and the front front of house and so i took the the front uh, my partner was a little is a little bit um more shy so i took the front of house um but in that i i missed some of the the creativity in the kitchen so we would create the menus together like the food menus and all of that but day to day um i was you know chatting with customers and uh coordinating the service staff so um yeah so i ended up I can't remember what year it was, but um, we, we had a pretty intensive bar menu and it just, it kind of grew. I, I started bringing some of the ingredients from the kitchen out to the bar just to kind of have the same creativity there and, and thinking that that's someone's first and, and sometimes last um, experience as well when they, when they enter the restaurant, you know, the first thing that they do is they order a cocktail. And um, so I really wanted to wow people with that. Um yeah, and then over the years, I just noticed more and more people not drinking and also coming in in general and um, being surprised that we had alcohol because we were a vegetarian restaurant that, you know, we focused on um, whole, organic, uh, local and holistic foods. And so I think it surprised people that we had alcohol in the menu just in general. Um, and, you know, when the sales were dropping a little bit, I thought, we would get creative with some of the lemonades and the iced teas and things like that. And, um, but people were still ordering the alcoholic cocktails and not drinking them. Um, and so I just started asking the question on, on why that was happening and, you know, not putting anybody on the spot, but if the person that they were sitting with got up and went to the washroom or left first, I would kind of ask if everything was okay. And they mentioned, you know, in, usually it was mentioned that they they weren't drinking, but they just didn't want the awkward conversation um, about why, because it was a first date or a business meeting um, or just things I had, reasons I hadn't thought of before, but which totally made sense because being vegetarian, you always get those awkward conversations. And oftentimes, depending on who you're sitting with, you don't want to answer. Like it's not really the conversation that you want to, want to dominate the, you know, the evening or the the meeting. So, um, yeah, so I just started creating drinks that were more adult focused that were non-alcoholic and, um, we had a large restaurant or sorry, restaurant, a large garden for the restaurant. And there were often things that would go, uh, to waste or, 
uh, things that would have, you know, a bumper bumper year. So I started uh, collecting those things and creating different bitters. Um, the bitters did have alcohol in them initially. And then, you know, when this trend was kind of was showing up, I just was trying to use those ingredients to make drinks uh, without alcohol. Very cool. I wonder, like, you know, as you said this, I'm thinking about me personally, I see a lot of kind of my friends and like peers and colleagues kind of all like one by one just quitting alcohol. Like totally. It seems like for the first however many years I was around, didn't really see a lot of people like quitting. And now it's like more of a, like the word trend doesn't really apply, right? Because it's kind of just like health and wellness and everything but I definitely see a lot of people I know quitting I wonder if you being in the industry what's your take like do you notice a lot more people like fully dropping off and quitting like I guess as you grow the company grows either way right so it might be hard to tell but do you think a lot more people are abstaining from alcohol now as opposed to maybe like five, 10 years ago? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Without a question. I think people are more comfortable as well. The more people that, um, you know, slow down on it or I, you know, I think there are quite a few people that it's not that they're quitting a hundred percent, but they're just, they're limiting, they're lowering, they're just realizing how, how much better they feel without and knowing that it's okay to, to stop because other people are. And because there are more options on the um, you know, out there for people. It's if, you know, you bring more options and aren't soda and aren't tea and, and people will start, you know, trying them and, and realizing that it's okay to have something else. Uh, I feel like the, the increase really happened when, with the legalization of marijuana. So, you know, often people don't partake in both because it, you just, uh, yeah, don't feel so, so good. So I think, you know, the, the people that were aging a little bit are, naturally your body doesn't (laughs) deal with alcohol as well. And then the new generation that is kind of coming up is I think smoking more weed (laughs) and okay with not drinking as much. Yeah. I, I really agree. And it's funny. I wouldn't have ever, like it makes so much sense hearing you say that, but that wasn't really like something I wouldn't have like put two and two together. But, like, yeah, it it totally makes sense. I mean, like, even even me personally definitely prefer one over the other, like, as I get older. I'm trying to age out of it. Do you you mind if I ask, like, do you drink at all? Uh Alcohol, I mean? Funny question because, okay, so I I do um, will have, like, quite a few of the cocktails <laughs> that I'm creating to make sure that I can replicate it. Um, and um, I've never had, like, I've never had a drinking problem, but I've always um, partook partly because of the industry that I was in, right? Like it's a social thing to have a glass of wine at the end of the night and um, you know, you're creating cocktails. So you're, you're trying them and you're going out for them to, to kind of bring ideas back to, to your bar. So right. Yeah. So I, and I've never really stopped, but I've slowed down in like incredibly, like I'll have maybe one drink a week, not, you know, not an every night thing. And um, yeah, just this weekend, actually, I, I went out and I was drinking and it had been a really long time since I've gone out and had more than one drink. And I felt poisoned. Like I honestly felt like the next day I've, never felt so terrible and felt like I wasted half my day and was reminded why, why I don't drink. So sometimes you kind of, you need that, but yeah, I, I barely drink and I'm happy with that. I don't, I don't feel like I need it. I don't miss it. Um, yeah. That's almost like I relate to that an immense amount because I've been on and off for like, Years, I guess, like, I'll take months off. At the beginning, COVID, I didn't drink for, like, almost a year, I would say. And then recently, a friend of mine uh, who I kind of always, like, 
talk to you about wines and cocktails and stuff. She's like moved to Vancouver. But her and I, like, that wasn't the only thing we talked about, but we would, like, share photos of wine we tried. And she was recently coming to town. She's actually who told me about your drinks, like, in the first place. And she randomly, like, hadn't told me over text or anything and was just like, yeah, been sober for almost a year. It's incredible. I never thought I would like it. But I love it, so I'm keeping with it. So I thought, yeah, my oldest friend, who I kind of trust on, like, wine and all that, is vetching for this. I'll give it a try. So I was off for a bit, and then I thought, maybe I'll I'll try, like, a Negroni or two on a weekend. And I did, and that was when I really noticed how, like, bad it made me feel the next day and like I didn't even have near enough to like merit a hangover I just I didn't feel on top of things and I felt like this was like time wasted like I could have felt better and probably accomplished way more the next day so that was kind of the catalyst for just fully giving it up and then your drinks were also there right at that moment so it was like a really nice time to like start swapping these in. My dad had got me a very a couple months supply for my birthday, so I'm sad. And Thanks, I'm dad. really yeah, yeah. He we got them at Color Divino. Oh which, yeah, uh, nice. yeah. One of the stockists on your website. They're they're a great yep. store. Yeah, they're yeah. Uh, really nice people and yeah they they actually my dad knows them a bit so he was telling them my son like was asking about these and they were saying that people love them and even they've sort of noticed like people kind of getting more though like typically they would like come in for one and now they come in for like a few of those and then a few more and then maybe even like more of those than one and it's interesting because I assume your stock is that they don't mind. It's not like they need to be selling alcohol. They probably just need to be selling something, right, to sustain their business. So for you to be able to get your drinks in these stores is kind of a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I'm actually surprised um, at my sales and liquor stores they're they're they do the best with them like i i feel like they're i wasn't sure at first do i approach you know liquor stores and they've welcomed um non-alcoholic with with open open arms like and i think it's partly because you know people will buy for other people or for an event so yeah you come in and buy a bottle of wine but you know that there's somebody you know that's at the party that's driving or somebody that's at the party that might you know I don't know be an athlete or be pregnant or be religious like there's so many reasons that if you always have something you know and that's why one of the reasons I chose this format was it's something that you can stock in your fridge or your cupboard and for those times when people um, come over you have something for them that's more than a tea or you know uh, a water Um, and then I also created them so that you could mix alcohol into them. So it's almost like a create your own adventure. Like one can can go for two people and you can add soda to lighten it up if you don't want a strong cocktail or you can, you're welcome to add alcohol to it. It's kind of uh, a diverse thing to have kicking around your house. And yeah. I, I wondered that. Uh, I know I asked you about if they should be shaken before my, recording fiasco but now i wonder uh, how are they mixed with uh like say a sparkling water like i was thinking of you could make one can kind of two servings if you poured in some san pellegrino right what's the the chef's recommendation on that yeah the bee's knees um it it light it goes really nicely with a carbonated water um it lightens lightens it up a little bit makes it almost like a botanical lemonade so a little less cocktail um but it still has really incredible flavor um the negroni is really nice with sparkling water and i feel like it doesn't really take away from the feeling of a cocktail um it's just a little less heavy 
Um, the vermouth doesn't really go with sparkling water. I feel like it dilutes it too much. And because there are a lot of ingredients that are also in in tea, like the chamomile, calendula, um, ginger, I feel like diluting it doesn't give it a true representation of of the flavors. Um, yeah, but then on the on you know like I've poured the Negroni over ice cream and it makes a nice. <laughs> Sunday um, or float. I've uh, taken the bee's knees and mixed it with uh, Annex's Saison beer. And so for someone that maybe is drinking, but a lot less and a really like light percent, it's, you know, you mix the two together and you just get a couple percent of alcohol. So um, that that's really nice. It's really refreshing. It's almost like a shandy. Um, the the vermouth goes nice if you like splash a little prosecco in it. I feel like it enhances the flavors with the with the grape um, kind of wine type flavors. Um, yeah, there's so many things that you can mix these with. It's they're pretty diverse. That that's awesome. Thank you for the intel. Now I just selfishly <laughs> got to ask the actual creator of these drinks what's the best way to add them. So I'm definitely gonna make note of all that. And and my girlfriend uh again doesn't drink a lot, but will drink, so she'll probably take the advice of a little prosecco in the vermouth one. Yeah. Yeah. Like they all have their own thing that I'm constantly, you know, trying them with different things. I tried the bitter tongue with uh, espresso the other day. I thought maybe that would work. You know, it wasn't the best combination. It it was okay, but it's just kind of, it's fun to see what they will mix with and um, you know, alcohol and non, it's just, it's kind of fun to, to play with them. I, I was actually just about to ask you if any of them pair well with coffee because I've uh, recently had like I think it's a yuzu cold brew. And oh yeah, it, it yeah. sounds sounds like it would not be good, and it was really good. So now I'm thinking like there got to be other very other things can go kind of with coffee and be equally as delicious. And then I was thinking I because I've I've seen cans of the bitter tongue not in store but on your media, so you must be. Like it's out there. Like the the secret is out. It's just the drink isn't out until when? When sort did you say that one is in stores? Oh, it's been out for for a few months now. I think oh, about five yeah. five or six months. But it fit. Um, it'll I'll be done my stock uh, probably in December. So if um yeah if people are uh, wanting it to, uh, by Christmas, I think it'll be out of stock. So it, right now, you know, it is kicking around in different stores. It's in um, Sherbrooke Liquor Store, and um, I think I can't remember if Sip has it. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, it's it is out there in in a few stores, and also available online. Sorry, I I heard you reference kind of around Christmas, and thought that was. The release, and then assumed you were just teasing images of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I live pretty close to Zip, actually. I, I know them all decently well, so maybe that will be... I can't on. remember if they have it, though. I am doing, like, um, there's a few places this month for Sober October um, that if you buy four Wild Folk, you can get a free can of, of the Bitter Tongue. So there's a few um, stores and I'll put up a, a little post, but um, like mu Little Mucker in Vancouver, the Sober Market in Winnipeg, United Strangers in West Vancouver, Vine Arts in Calgary, Alberta Beer Exchange in Calgary, Pitchfork in Saskatoon, the Beer Den in Cochrane, um, Pure Earth Organics in Red, um, Red Deer, Sherbrooke Liquor Store in Edmonton, The Elephant Restaurant in Vancouver, and um, Empire Provisions in Calgary. They're all doing this um, sober October and giving a free can with a purchase of four for do, this month. Do you have a list in front of you or is that all in your head? That was a list. <laughs> I was going to say that's an impeccable memory. If you I, mean, I wish I... I wish I had that memory. <laughs> we uh we actually just got a Vine Arts in Edmonton. Uh, yeah. it opened a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. do you know if they have it yet or no? They don't. I haven't um I haven't approached them yet, so I'm not in uh, that store. I just wanted them to get uh, um settled before I 
approach them. Right, which actually I was just talking to someone I worked with this morning uh, over like a team meeting, and they were saying they they had just gone to Arvine Arts this weekend. They were there when it opened, and they said the selection, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't what they thought Vine Arts would have. And they went back this weekend, and they must have been kind of easing into things because he said now it's incredible. Like, they have, like, ten times as much stuff as they did when they opened, so. Well, I can only imagine how much it would cost to stock a store. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, just astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't I haven't been yet, but that, actually, that's a really funny thing that I, I should commend you on that's kind of not off-topic, but the fact that I I really I would always like whenever I go to stores, I try to like talk to the staff and just you know like be friendly and like not fake, but I just try to make friends wherever I go. So I have all these kind of acquaintances and all these liquor stores we would shop at, and then without drinking, I feel like I'm I'm not seeing my friends enough. Like there are people who I used to love chatting with certain things about, you know, like I always talked about like 80s horror movies with an employee at SIP or something. And now with the orderings and like drinks like yours, like non-alcoholics, I can still go there and chat with people, get a nice flavor, still enjoy like every aspect, just not feel terrible the next day. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like it, it must must have been like really difficult. Maybe you could like talk about it a bit. Like starting this company a bit before the like whole kind of wave of non-alcoholics came in. Was it like really an uphill battle to get into like your first stockist? Like was it? Kind of like, did you have to convince people or did they like see the value in what you were doing? And was it kind of like a seamless thing? I think the timing was was pretty on point. I sold um, the restaurant in 2020. So it actually sold um, the day that people um, announced that you couldn't dine in restaurants the first time. And so the sale went through and I just I started working on this business plan and um, you know, so right as everything was kind of <laughs> wrapping up and things were going back um, to normal places were opening up it was when I launched. Um, and so it was, I didn't approach the restaurants right away because there was a lot of uncertainty about opening and closing and them holding right. a lot of stock, um, which was unfortunate because that's where I felt like I had a lot of connection. Um, but I also had some connections with stores around Calgary uh, just being in the restaurant industry. So I felt um, really fortunate in that way. I, I chatted with a lot of um, people that I already knew in the industry who had stores, grocery stores, liquor stores, and kind of got in that way. So it was a fairly easy start. People were really um, open to to helping out. Was it a coincidence that you sold that day or like did you? Yeah, total coincidence. <laughs> you dodged the ultimate bullet. Like, yeah. that's incredible that, I mean, I guess it was a coincidence that there wasn't even foresight, but that yeah. must have been incredible just knowing you got out before. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Felt good. And it was, yeah, not planned at all. Are are you guys sold, like, in, um, like, groceries, like, non-liquor store? stock is do you guys have more of those than liquor stores or is it still mainly sold where you find alcohol um it's a mix of both i'm at some cafes i'm at um like some smaller independent grocery stores um i'm finding the the medium to large grocery stores are a little bit more challenging to get into just kind of hitting the timing right on when they redo their category. And um, I think that's kind of the biggest learning curve with this is um, grocery stores are kind of uh, their own beast. Um, but I'm in some breweries and they do really well. Um, I, quite a few events. And then, um, yeah, in addition to like liquor stores, some hotels and restaurants and, uh, you know, bakeries, things like that. So kind of all over the place, some boutique uh, boutique type shops is that 
something you would be into, like hypothetically, would you sell your product in like bigger grocery stores or are you trying to keep it like small and independent? Um, I, I would like to be in some medium sized grocery stores. I don't, I, I'm not looking to be in like Superstore and Costco and large places like that. But I yeah. really think for brand recognition, you have to be in as many places as possible to get as many eyes on your product. If you right. want to make the company, um, if you want to make money. <laughs> so, you, you know, you, you need volume for beverages. You, you, your profit is really small and it's pretty expensive to produce. So I, I just, I need... Um, more stores in general but I think you know if people enjoy the product and there are places that they go to I think the best way is if they recommend it to stores that they shop at and then um, yeah and then it kind of grows from there so uh, do you you mind like how big approximately is the staff now compared to when you started like could you like quantify the growth like just kind of guessing Sorry, the growth for the growth for what? Like how many people work at Wild Folk currently? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So it started with just me. Um, and then uh my my dad helps with some of the stuff. My husband's mom helps with like some of the packing, like some of the back end warehouse type stuff. And I um have two part-time staff as well. And then I use a co-packer um for the production and um, and then I have a very small, uh, marketing, uh, team, three people and, uh, the branders. That like, I mean, that sounds ideal in a way, cause that's like enough people to really help move the machine, but it's not too many people to like, like, you know, everyone like personally, you know, it's not like one of those companies where the owner is so far distance from everyone that. Sounds kind of like a harmonious amount of people to work for you. Would you rather yeah. it was like more or less? Um, no, well, right now I think it's perfect. It would be nice to have maybe one more person in the in the warehouse, but um, and maybe one more person helping with sales. But other than that, um, it's pretty ideal and it's really nice because three of the people used to work with me at the restaurant, so I already had uh, previous relationships with them and um, you know, know that we share values, which are really important. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice to be working with people that I previously knew. <laughs> yeah. That definitely a bonus, like to be able to know and like trust employees is very underrated. Not, not something everyone even gets, like, you know, like people might have a staff, but it isn't always a nice story in the end about like the people working for them. Yeah. Now you uh you reference like your restaurant before, but before that, were like have you always been kind of in the in the hospitality and restaurant industry? Like when you were younger, did you work in like food service as well? Um, I did off and on. I was you know different positions: dishwasher, host, service, um, kitchen. Yeah, like in a variety of of. Um, positions but in school I took interior design and really forestry for for eight years was kind of my my thing before jumping into owning a restaurant it was yeah I was in forestry and uh, did quite a bit of traveling so just exploration of different uh, flavors and cultures um, I think which enhance both enhanced um, you know the the culinary world yeah, that that's a very cool background. Like to to use that to inform what you do now, that is cool. Uh, yeah. Are you? Did you work on like if you had a background in interior design? Did you do the interior of the restaurant? Yes. Yeah. So did the interior of the restaurant, um, and then you know I feel like for both businesses, color and kind of the whole atmosphere um is really important so it's in some ways even though you know there's no design of a physical space for this business it's um, the design of the packaging is really to me really important 
is that like something in an ideal world would you like to have like a tasting room or anything for your stuff or are you fine with just a production like in warehouse facility I think this is good for now. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of work with just this and having a physical location. Um, after the restaurant, I'm not sure that I would want to do that again. Oh yeah, yes. You, uh, <laughs> there's just you more staff, the... and you know, like more moving parts, more equipment. Um, you know, you're just yeah. I think I think just for now, I'll stick with this. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll no, change my uh, mind in the future. I can I relate to that too because before this we had like a retail space for nowhere fast for I think seven years and I'm very happy not to have it anymore and have borderline like PTSD from all that so I also would not really want to hop back into something like that now that I've seen how things can operate without the overhead of all that as well so i i totally relate to that yeah you were saying before like alberta edmonton or i mean calgary edmonton vancouver where like how how far is the expansion of wild folk is it all canada do you plan on being in the states at any point um, it is all Canada right now, and I definitely hope to um, expand next year beyond. So um, just kind of doing a little bit of research right now. Um, I took the trade trade accelerator program, and that kind of helped um, with just the mindset of, of export. And so, um, yeah, I do, I am planning um, to expand. I'm just trying to figure out what direction makes the most sense. Are the like rules and regulations really different once you try to like cross over into the states? Um, yeah, I mean, you just need, yeah, you need FDA approval and, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's some taxes and, um, it's not crazy, but yeah, there's, and then shipping my product is pretty expensive. So there's just, there's some logistics that need to be, um, be sorted out. No, and I mean, shipping just gets worse and worse almost daily, right? So that's got to be like a, a huge, huge obstacle for you to like figure out how to circumvent. Yeah. Are you actually, are you personally vegetarian or did you just operate a vegetarian restaurant? Yeah, I'm vegetarian. Yeah, I think it's been 20 something years I've been vegetarian. Do, do you have time to cook still or is it all like <laughs> wild folk? Um, I cook a lot less these days. I feel like I don't have a lot of um, the same amount of time or energy or, or funds. <laughs> um, you know, at the restaurant, I wasn't making a, a lot, but I had access to a lot, um, a lot of nice ingredients and unique things from different farms. And now I go to grocery stores and I'm, it's, I'm not as inspired. Um, by what I find there so um, I'm cooking but just it's not I don't find as much creativity in it I mean that the good like I'm thinking about it that could be good or it could be like a missing like is that good for you or do you feel like you miss it more than you thought you would oh I miss it for sure I just I don't have a full day now to you know make noodles from scratch and yeah you know make pierogies and do you know i i cut a few corners that i used to not cut at all yeah just for for a level of of energy and <laughs> and availability do you uh are there any like any flavors or any recipes any drinks that you wanted to see come to life that never did like are there any like one that got away type thing for wild folk sorry for the interruption i just want to quickly mention another sponsor of this podcast town square brewing i know wesley recently quit drinking so i'm sure he would appreciate us highlighting some non-alcoholic options such as our hot water sparkling tea and italian soda be sure to look for those in addition to their beers wherever you usually find your craft drinks if your favorite liquor store or bar doesn't have Town Square in their cooler, you should ask them why they don't. 
Please drink responsibly. 18 plus of course. Let's get back to the episode. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. Uh, not yet, but I'm only in the second year of business, so I, I'm sure there will be some that are just, you know, not, you know, maybe just are not going to be successful. And so, yeah, but not yet. I've been pretty fortunate in that way. That's good. I guess I kind of wanted a juicy answer, but it's really <laughs> better for you to be able to say there isn't, at least not yet. Yeah. And I, I think there's been some some failed ingredients that I've been disappointed at. Um, that, yeah, it's an ingredient that I would, you know, really wanted to use and just it didn't blend properly or, you know, it had the right flavor, but it just wasn't right for the drink. And but other than that, yeah, no complete recipe disasters. Are there any, I'm just trying to, trying to think of ways to kind of subtly have you talking about the flavors that kind of entice people listening to go out and try these things because they, they really are like quite delicious. I hope a lot of people give them a try. Are there any ingredients in any of the drinks that you didn't really expect to like work so well like is there anything you put in maybe for like health reasons or just like as an added hint of something that ended up kind of being like the star of the drink um i think in the bee's knees the timot peppercorn really gives a unique flavor so that's a, a pepper that's a relative of the szechuan peppercorn and it gives kind of a really like subtle tongue tingle and it also has a very um really pretty smell to it it's it's quite grapefruity and that's um it makes it pretty unique um and trying to think of what other like the use of orris root it's uh one of the roots it's not it's not crazy bitter but it it i don't know it's really like delicate and smooth it's hard to to explain so that's the root of an iris flower and yeah it's it's just it's got a really nice um mouth feel to it yeah i know i mean i guess you explained it but in that that i had uh the vermouth spritz and uh the bee's knees last night my my girlfriend and i we shared each i uh, i was originally just gonna have the vermouth but then she had the the genius idea to have half and half so that i could go into this talk like having tasted them and being able to somewhat elaborate on that and there was i couldn't explain it but there was like a bit of a not like spice but that like tongue tingle with that one so i guess that's exactly what it was yeah yeah it's there but it's not you know in the forefront you can you just i don't know i think the flavors develop over time in all of them it's you take one sip you taste something and like there's such a an intense mix in all of them that they just kind of release at different times. And um, yeah, find I find it fun to play with flavors like that. And, and earlier on, you said that you, uh, you still like drink them Tom to Tom. I, I would think you'd be, you've had too many of them. Like, you, like you'd be not over it, but like you've tasted them enough in the testing and stuff, but it, I guess it speaks well for them that you still enjoy them after you probably had, well, like, I don't know, hundreds of them or tens of them. I just take them and I mix them with other things now just to kind of create something new and to see if I can find a, another unique combination. So the most recent was the, yeah, the Negroni poured over over vanilla ice cream <laughs> it's pretty good that, would, that one sounds incredible i think yeah. uh, i may be trying that tonight the adult float yeah <laughs> and then also like i guess you kind of can see how this is all going like based on stockists right so you must know kind of firsthand how big the like non-alcoholic drink space is getting in each city or province right like you named all those stores carrying this stuff and i assume like a couple of years five ten years ago almost none of these stores either existed or like had shelf space for this type of drink so what's your like 
kind of prediction going forward? Like, there's going to be more of this? Like, are liquor stores going to be half non-alcoholic at some point? Or, like, how do you see that going? I just think more um, non-alcoholic bottle shops are probably going to open up and, um, yeah, just more grocery stores allowing more shelf space. Uh, I feel like the um, liquor stores have already been fairly open to it. There's a, a couple beer beer shops that are pretty, um, that are not really open to it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, liquor stores have really, I feel like they've embraced it and, um yeah, grocery stores, it's just a matter of, of time before you see more shelf space to it. So, yeah, you mentioned Sherbrooke earlier. I know they have, uh, I mean, they have an insane beer selection. So it's not, not the same amount, but they have like all cooler for non alcoholic options. Yeah. And yep. even a couple of years ago, going there, they, they might have had a few of those options, but not a dedicated cooler yeah and there's some stories that you know they'll they'll put the non-elk on the shelf but they'll put it in a pretty bad spot so sales come back as as not very good you'll do a sampling in the store and people are confused at where to find it so i think placement um you know i'm hoping that the placement um in stores is it improves (laughs) not in every Mm -hmm. store but you know there's a few stores that it's if you're going to put it on the bottom shelf in the back corner it's just because it's a new category people might not be looking for it as much as like a a last grab before they leave the store thinking oh yeah I'm having this person that that doesn't drink right like it's it's because people are just getting used to it it's not necessarily their first thought going into a liquor store so if it's up front and center that I feel like um yeah the that it would be beneficial but if like I'm I'm pretty interested in the marketing of of anything really and like the placement and the way things are presented, I think is a huge, huge factor into how they like sell and how they become popular. I wonder, are you able to like at all kind of request the placement of these things in stores or is it really just left up to wherever they want to put it? Like after they buy it, it's up to them. You know, ultimately the decision is up to them. I think you can put like a suggested or, you know, requested in a specific area or ask if, you know, it can be in the fridge or if you're doing a sampling in the summer, ask if they can put some in the fridge and hope that they leave you thereafter. Um, Just for people that want to buy, you know, one can as they're leaving to, to drink on the spot. But um yeah, you can always make suggestions and, um, but yeah, ultimately it's up to them on what, where they have space and where they think it'll, it'll sell the the best. Or I, I also noticed when I was reading over here again, that a lot of the like non-alcoholic beers and stuff that I've been trying lately, they all have like 0.5 alcohol or like 0.05. But your drinks have no alcohol at all. Does that mean yours are like anyone can drink them? Yeah, yeah. Mine is steeped instead of um, distilled. And so I don't, oftentimes like with the distilled ones, people will put the alcohol in and take it out. And you do get that nice clear look. And so for something that's supposed to be like a gin or vodka straight up, that clear look, um, you know, is needed. Um, and you still get like the botanical taste without the, you, you know, you put the alcohol and you remove it, but mine are, are steeped and they don't have alcohol in any part of the process. And I don't, um, there's nothing fermented. So yeah, there's like zero, zero alcohol. Which like, I wonder, see, I, I guess I forgot to ask this off the bat too. All right. Like, do you actually call yours even non-alcoholic drinks or are they just like botanical cocktails? Yeah, I don't like the word mocktail. So I never use that because I just feel like it's not it's not nothing about it is fake. Um, And so that term doesn't sit well with me. Um, But I yeah, I they're uh, non-alcoholic cocktails or free spirited botanical cocktails are kind of the two terms that I like to use. Yeah, which is like on the can it says free spirited. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually noticed that because I, for some reason, I have the word mocktail in my head, but maybe that's just from people saying it like completely unrelated 
to yours, uh, but when I was reading it, I was kind of expecting to see that word, and then I didn't at all. So I guess that should have been a question for you too, if it was kind of strategic to leave that word out. And I guess yeah. it is. It is. <laughs> I I mean, just as a consumer or like person, I don't really like that word either. Not yeah. even from like a recipe point of view. I just I think it's kind of a not that cool of a like word. And yeah, just I feel to like say like you're drinking a mocktail doesn't sound inherently cool. Yeah, it just feels a little outdated. It feels like a Shirley Temple. It just doesn't feel adult. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> and I I should have asked this before when you were telling me. I had it pop into my head, but I didn't voice it until now. How, like you were saying, you hand make one batch and then you make a bit bigger of a batch. Like how many of the batches are handmade before you actually send them off to get like canned and mass produced? Oh, I just do the small ones by hand, like when I'm testing the recipe. But when I go to do the like the bigger batches, I just um, will do them at the co-packer like right right there and just kind of tweak a couple ingredients that I see needing like volume tweaks based on what suggestions people have made and what I agree with. So like that, the handmade batch is only for a handful of people. The hand. Well, I do like they are like, I'm at every production and they are like, they're all put in, in tanks, but they are all small batch. Like they're not oh, large, yeah. large batches. Yeah. It they're like, you know, ten thousand cans each time. Really? So. And is that see, I don't know anything about this industry. That's interesting. A That's small batch. batch is ten thousand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That I mean, it feels like small. Is kind of a pejorative word. Like I feel making ten thousand anything is pretty commendable, especially like ten thousand pretty delicious drinks. They should like change the wording for you. I feel like <laughs> you don't get to be as proud of that because the word small is attached. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> if I had my own equipment, I would do smaller batches even, but you know, being at a co-packer, they want to see certain volumes so that they get paid properly. So oh, is it, that's kind of like their minimum. Like they don't want to do yeah. less than that. Yeah. And yeah, then because the time it takes and, you know, I kind of see, I see why. Yeah. Is it, it hard to, I mean, of course, like you don't have to go into who does it for you and whatnot, but is it like difficult to find a production facility in Calgary for that type of thing? Uh, it's been, that's been the most challenging part, I yeah. would say. Yeah, it's uh, not having my own facility and being really at the whim of other people and what equipment they have available and um, and their timing and their schedule and their, um, yeah, like I have a pretty finicky product with how it needs to be filtered because of all the natural ingredients in it. And so, um, yeah, it hasn't, it's not an easy product to pack. And, um, <laughs> but like, I assume there aren't many other options, right? So you kind of like have to go with that because that's what's available. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, to uh, to be, like, own your own facility is probably just, like, unfeasible, right? Like, millions and millions of dollars? I think that, yeah, if I had some funding, I could open up my own facility and make things a lot simpler. Um, but I would pay on the shipping. Like, the initial idea was to co-pack in multiple places so that I'm not shipping as far. Like, when I expand a lot more into the east like into toronto and, and places like that it would be nice to actually produce over there um but yeah i'm weighing out all options right now because uh it has not been easy to pack yeah <laughs> so yeah no having I... you know having my own facility might make sense because i would have less loss um and i could actually 
you know, I don't know. Yeah, just sorting it out right now. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't want to want to get in your head anymore than you are. <laughs> just as you were saying that, I was just thinking like the production would my guess be like the most like difficult part to like figure out how it all works, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. Don't want to add any, any <laughs> to it. No, all good. <laughs> but then, like my guess, also it is once you're able to expand over there, it'll just be almost like instant growth for you because there's just so many more people in Toronto, right? So just by numbers alone, there's got to be more sober people in Toronto or people who drink less. So you'll just be able to sell way more almost instantly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the shipping is a killer. And so it's all about, I think, distribution as well. But making all of the numbers work to to make distribution make sense. So, yeah, I'm just in like the, the learning and growth phase right now. So, um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully it only goes up from here. I mean, I like in my head, I just think of these things as existing for a while, right? It's just like, you know, like I'm holding your drink and I just assume you've been doing it for a while just because it's good and the brand, like everything is like kind of screams like longevity. But two years is pretty like brand new in the grand scheme of things, right? So it's kind of... It's it's awesome that I feel like I'm talking to you kind of at the beginning. You know, if I was to check in on you in a couple of years, like I would guess and I would hope for you, like everything is just so much exponentially like bigger. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty funny how, you know, people think that they, they see the can and I mean the branding team did an amazing job and they see the social media and the you know, the uh, small marketing team did such an amazing job. I think it's just, um, yeah, really funny to think that it looks like there's more people behind um, behind the operation than there actually is, or, it fe- you know, feels like we've been in, in business a lot longer because I've managed to get it in quite a few places, but we're still pretty tiny <laughs> with a very small team. <laughs> the, I mean great place to be in I, would, I mean it's great to like look more established than you actually are in a way because you don't have like as many of the headaches of this the huge corporation of beverages but it looks like a very like big established company so i i would yeah. think that's a great place to be maybe i'm wrong i um if if you opened your restaurant 15 years ago, I also have a question. How your like ideas on marketing changed over that period? Because marketing changed over that period. You know, like when you first opened, obviously there was no social media, right? So the way you were getting people to eat at your restaurant must have been so much different than the way now you can like go to your socials and sell your drinks to people that way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was very, very different. We really didn't um, have social media when we first opened and um, it kind of grew organically in the staff, I think, because they started with it. They were, they helped out a lot at the restaurant. So we were able to kind of gain followers that way. We had a really great location. And so it was a lot of word of mouth and one of the first vegetarian restaurants that opened in Calgary. So I think we just were really fortunate with a lot of, um, you know, free print ads and, and things like that and, you know, press that way. Um, so that was really nice. And then, yeah, jumping into this, I really, it was a lot of, of learning on what marketing could do and, and how different it was with a, a product that you put out. So, yeah. Do you do you prefer like if if the question was that black and white? Do you prefer one over the other? Like, do you like word of mouth more than like being able to post a photo and sell things that way? Oh, I think word of mouth is super key. Like, I think even with this, it's if somebody tries the product and um, they tell a friend, it has a lot more value than if somebody just reads a post of you saying how good your product is. Well, uh, yeah, I I agree. Like even I was saying, uh, a friend of mine showed me your drinks. Like sent me 
I think she may have just Googled what it was, sent me a photo. I Googled it, found your website, found the stalkist. I think I had like had your drink in my hand and tasted it before I had even looked at any of your socials. Because the day that I asked you if you would do this was the day that I found your Instagram, but I had tried the drinks a couple days previously. So I, I mean, that's what about to me, right? Like they, yeah. I was sold on your drinks. I was in love with them before I even saw. And like, I mean, all your imagery and everything is great. Like I'm not at all distracting from that. I'm just saying I got into your stuff before seeing all that. But yeah. Uh, I mean, I always tell people that's the best way to market things. People don't agree, and some companies see way more sales from media than they do from word of mouth. So I get why like everyone has a different opinion. I just I love asking people who have actually experienced both how they feel about both. Yeah. Do you find like when you do in store events? Like when you're letting people taste these, I I just can't imagine someone tasting these and then not buying a bunch. Like it would be, I mean, I like them so much, so I'm like really biased, but I'm thinking if someone is like have a sip of these mm-hmm. and they're for sale right on the shelf next to this, how would you not buy a bunch? Like what's your success rate with like tastings converting to sales yeah i think it's i think it's pretty good i there are definitely i mean people just have different palettes right so some people absolutely love them and i think they're not for everybody not everybody likes the you know bitter flavors some people like sweeter um yeah it's just like you had mentioned earlier it's just hard to please everybody so i would say you know it's 90 percent great response um and yeah and then some people just pass and right away say no alcohol what's the point so you know you're not going to change everybody's mind and yeah yeah that that was another thing I was thinking but I I talked to someone that runs a wine agency a couple episodes ago and she was saying that when they do tastings there are some people with like such kind of preconceived like you know hearing natural wine just the word natural for some reason makes them like not even want to taste it. And then I'm wondering too, if yours being non-alcoholic, if that makes some people just like all decide from the beginning, like, no, we're not even going to like have a sip of this, which is really harmful. Right. It's like, they're just depriving themselves of like trying this. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm used to it from having a vegetarian restaurant. It was, and I think the most fun was, changing someone's mind when they did when they you know would make it known i'm not vegetarian i'm not gonna like this and then they leave and they enjoy it i think that's amazing that's that's the most fun (laughs) yeah no like to me that that sounds like a perk for sure just like watching people change their mind like right in front of you yeah that's not even something i would have really thought about but yeah that's that's cool i uh Not proving people wrong, but I like seeing that type of thing too, where people are like so adamant, but one way, and then you know, like have one zip, and you can just see their eyes kind of light up, and they're like complete one eighty on like what they thought, like going yeah. into the 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 sore or whatever. And that's uh, the thing; everybody has their own process and their own, you know, timing, and so no no judgment at all if somebody's not willing to try it's you know that at least you've kind of put the thought in the mind and eventually they will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, like, I assume a lot of people too maybe come around like their second or third time, like maybe the first time they're against it, try it again, they might like it or something happens in their life and they decide they might like come around to trying these things. So there might be people that you give a sample to that don't necessarily become a customer until a few months later or their next trip to the store. Yeah, exactly. 
Do you have no no plans of ever doing anything in the like food space again? Or I guess like drinks are food, but the restaurant space? No, no. I feel like I've I've uh, done it <laughs> and moved and on. If you don't mind me asking, was that your your first and last restaurant? Because I know a lot of restaurant people like do a few or they have like they do consulting for other ones but was that kind of like an isolated thing for you yeah yeah i put i put a lot into it and i think um you know who knows what the future will bring but for now this is my this is my focus the drinks so yeah, yeah and i i constantly talk to people on here but you gotta like kind of do your one thing very actively and very seriously if you want it to flourish right like some people can do multiple things really well but like me personally i i have to pick one you know like if if i try to do too many things it just pulls from everything and maybe this is sort of like that as well yeah yeah this is a, a massive project so it's um yeah taking all my focus and then some and i have a you know little son at home so i don't want to take away too much from my family yeah, I guess you gotta like balance yeah. all that, like everything, which is also hard to do. But it's amazing that it sounds like you've kind of figured out a way to like do it all. I I saw some photos or some videos like of where you store all your cans. Is that like is that the main storage, or like is the warehouse many other? like rooms as well or are you just in that one white room with like thousands of cans um well I, it's a share um like a share warehouse and so oh know, like that's off. your your that's, space that's my space within a larger warehouse and so there's like offices and rental rooms and a kitchen and stuff that's separate i yeah. i really like the Kind of like a minimalist white room with a lot of like repetition in it. So when I saw like that footage of, of where you kept all the cans, it was nice and serene to me. <laughs> I, I imagine like being in there for a long time might like start to drive someone crazy, but like looking at it from just on the internet, it looked like an awesome place to spend time. Are you in there too much or too little? Um, it's uh, enough, <laughs> but I'm a good mix of like you know I'm always out meeting people and dropping product off as well, so it's not yeah I'm not in there twenty four hours, so it's okay. That that must be super important too. Like you're you're quite easy to talk to, right? I imagine you're quite good at like the like personal sale of these things but if someone if that wasn't really their forte i could imagine it being a lot more difficult to get something like this to gain momentum yeah and that like you said that was kind of your one of many roles at the restaurant right is you were more like the face of it yeah yeah definitely and did like did you grow up or like come into adulthood being able to like be personable and like talk to people that way or is that something you had to like learn as it went oh geez tough question i'm not sure (laughs) that's a question for my friends (laughs) were were you shy when you were young no i don't no i don't think i've ever been shy okay yeah no no i i i can tell I mean, just off the short conversation, yeah, it seems like you're pretty pretty good at like going back and forth with people and not not shy really. That yeah. I've I've seen people try to do not not anything just like this. I mean, that's why I really wanted to have this talk here. Like the the first person in the space I've been able to talk to, but people doing sort of similar things that are more shy. I see it like not really work for them. And then I always think like, I mean, why would, why would you take this on? Like knowing you don't really like conversing with people. 
Yeah. Right? But if if you knew exactly how to approach these things from your like role at the restaurant, then it must have been like pretty seamless to kind of hop into a role like this. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it didn't feel like much effort, so that's a good thing. Um, I do have to take off though. I have a meeting in just a couple minutes that I that, that's to, perfect. Yeah. I uh, I actually love when guests pop off because then it saves me having to find like time <laughs> to wind down. Like I almost wish every guest was just like I have to go, and then it's easy. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, thank you very much for answering yeah, these questions. I'm I'm really sorry about the the mix up at the beginning again. Like it's all good. Never happened before, but I think we made up for it. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you. Good luck. I don't think you'll need it yeah. at all, but I really appreciate this. Enjoy yeah, the rest you. of your day. You too. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.